It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Everyone, you're listening to the Janice Dean podcast. You know how every week at the end of the podcast, I ask you to send me stories on social media of people you would like to hear on the Janice Dean podcast. Well, I read your messages, and this week I have a guest who wrote me a few weeks ago on Twitter. Linda Witzel wrote, "Good morning. I am a pharmacist in New Jersey, and I would like to help you. I work in the nursing home industry for 30 years, and I'm writing a documentary on why nursing homes have failed our most vulnerable. COVID just exposed the warts that have been there since the beginning. As you can imagine, I was very interested in what Linda had to say. She also forwarded me an essay she wrote and published on Medium titled "Our Seniors Are Still in Danger, and It's Not COVID." Linda agreed to join me today. I'm so grateful to her for being concerned for the elderly and wanting to help uncover the disgusting corruption and sick behavior that has been going on for decades. The injustices we are seeing during COVID is just the beginning of how truly awful a good part of the nursing home industry is and continues to be. There needs to be more voices to join our chorus to stop these atrocities. And it begins with the awareness of what is happening right now. Please welcome Linda Witzel to the Janice Dean podcast. Linda, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. I read your article. Our seniors are still in danger, and it's not COVID, and it stopped me in my tracks because I I knew this right, and you talk about in the article how. Difficult it is for families to make the decision to put、um, their elderly loved ones in a nursing home or an elder care facility or assisted living, and we should be doing way more research.、Um, you know, like we always do investigations or look into our kids' schools,、right. um, even getting a pet. The research that you put into that. I mean, all of these things that you wrote about are so true, and I think as family members, you know. I'll sp- speak on behalf of my family. You know, Sean's parents, my husband's parents, were living in a four-story walk-up for 50 years. They were having issues trying to get down the stairs. There were many calls to the emergency 911 to have somebody come in because someone got hurt or couldn't get up, whatever. And so, Sean, my husband, and his mom. And his sister, you know, got together and tried to find a place for both of them at an assisted living residence close to us on Long Island. We love the place. We love the people there.、Um, so we did our homework, and it was it wasn't just we put them in there without them knowing. The, her mom, his mom, was all in and knew that they had to do something. For many years, we were telling them to get uh, like a, a, a an easy. Access apartment, but they never listened to us. They wouldn't want to take. They didn't want to take anything from us, right? They just made the decision. No, this is the place we're going to stay here for the rest of our lives, and that's it. So, his father wasn't doing well, so he was in a nursing home rehab for a couple of weeks to get him in better shape to join D in the assisted living residence. And then COVID came in and crashed into our lives.、Right. So it's not like people just shove their 
parents, their relatives into a a place because they don't want to take care of them. They don't go there to die. They go there to there continue to live, and right. and be positive uh, people. And you know, his mom, for instance, she was socializing the most she had socialized in many many years because she was kind of trapped in this uh, apartment building. So I say that because it's not one size fits all, right? And we can't blame these people for trying to do the right thing. I mean, it's a very difficult process. We spent many months trying to figure out what to do with them to make it an easier transition for them in their last years of their life. But I will tell you after COVID and and seeing what our government did without us knowing— it has exposed the rot under the floorboards of this industry, and it makes me sick. Yeah, it it, it literally uh, exposed all of the warts. The nursing home industry for years has been in trouble, and there are some great homes. There are some great assisted livings, but there are also some very bad operators. Yes. And nothing has really changed since actually 1960s when there were original Senate uh, committee hearings on what was going on when nursing homes first started to come into play. And over the years from... 1960 to fast forward today between different um, money cuts, federal government cuts, different regulations. Um, it has caused a lot of good players to leave. Mm. And uh, different the bad operators have identified a way to get money. And unfortunately, the regulations and the legislation hasn't really been able to step up where they needed to be, and that was seen with COVID. Tell me about your history and how you know so much about this industry. So I started in uh, 1989. I, I've been a pharmacist since uh, I graduated '84. Uh, in '89, I started working for two brothers who owned a pharmacy that serviced a couple of nursing homes in New York and New Jersey, and. Uh, that was my introduction to the nursing home industry. Mm-hmm. It was very different. At that time in New Jersey, there were uh, maybe two or three major pharmacy providers because the way that the pharmacy has to provide medications for the nursing homes <clears throat> is very different than a retail pharmacy. There's packaging requirements. There's um, documentation that has to accompany it. It's a, it's a whole different industry, but it's a niche industry. Mm. Not every state even has rules for pharmacies to actually work in this environment. Um, so we're we're actually in New Jersey now, we're trying to create regs that match what is needed so that we can make sure that that part of the practice is um, doing the right thing. Mm. So I worked for them. They sold their business to Omnicare. Then I worked for a couple of other nursing home owners. I was partners with um, a gentleman that has a number of high-end nursing homes in New Jersey. And recently, the last nine years, I actually opened another pharmacy. And it was okay, but challenged, and we ended up getting uh, managed by a major nursing home owner chain who did terrible things, bankrupted us, um, 
And But luckily, again, COVID did some bad things, but offered opportunity if you were willing to take the risk. And uh, we opened up a pharmacy again in 21, started doing a lot of vaccines, and then we were able to take care of the customer base that I had been servicing for the last 30 years. Did you watch, listen, uh, the governor of New Jersey also put COVID positive patients into nursing homes. There were several states that did that. Um, You know, obviously I live in New York. I saw what Cuomo was doing and the fact that he was trying to cover it up. Um, Not only New Jersey, but Michigan uh, also put sick patients into nursing homes, thousands of them, Pennsylvania and California. Um, Were you watching this kind of unfold? Yeah, and we didn't under we didn't understand why uh, there was such a push, but they were receiving extra money when you, they got more money to put COVID patients in. Okay, wait, st- I'm stopping you right there because that's it's right there in front of our faces. It's dollar signs. It's all dollar signs. It's not human beings. So they were getting more money to take sick patients into the nursing homes. Yes. And there were different nursing homes that uh, might have one wing, and they identified it totally as COVID. But on the other wings or on the other floors, there were the regular patients. Mm. And nobody was told, guess what, the third floor is going to be all COVID. So those family members had no idea what was actually taking place. It was all, yeah, it was... It was a terrible, terrible situation. We would watch. We lost half of our patients that we serviced in the nursing home. We'd receive phone calls sometimes from the patients saying, why aren't my meds here? And they were like in an assisted living. And we'd say, what are you talking about? We're sending the meds. The nurses, they didn't have enough staff. The nurses weren't delivering the meds. There were so many different horrible situations. It, It was a nightmare. And it's, you know, it's it's gotten better, but there has to be a lot more work. Yes. To correct. There has to be accountability. Now, how does somebody like you come out and, and be, you're a whistleblower. You're saying this is what's happening. I mean, that's a scary thing to go out there. I mean, I I would love it if more people like yourself came out and said, this is what's happened, and this is why it ha- it's happened. But I guess people are afraid of their losing their jobs, right? Yeah. I mean, there were so many people in the different nursing homes that knew things were going on, but they couldn't do anything. They felt, in some instances, they felt if they stayed, they could actually help. There wasn't anybody to really go to. Yeah. Um, so th- I've always, we've always been advocates for, for patients. I have nothing to lose. I'm 61 years old. <laughs> you know, I have a great uh, life, and I have people that I've worked with for the last 30 years, and this is important. So getting the word out, and thank you for you offering this opportunity, is tremendous. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that are trying to do things, but it it has to almost come from the people, you yeah. know. Why is it that people don't care more? I mean, I know why they don't, unfortunately. It's because the elderly, you know, if this happened with children, if children were the most vulnerable population and governors were putting sick patients in with kids in their hospital rooms, well, there would be people in jail right now. Yep. I think the elderly, it's it's 
a lot of people, they just don't want to look at it. They don't want to anticipate that that's where they're going to be. So it's a lot easier to just push it aside. Unless you're dealing with it, you know, it's in your face, you don't have to worry about it. And putting family members in nursing homes and assisted living, my husband and I, we've done that. We've had, and I'm in the industry and it was tough. Um, it's, It's a very... It's a place that nobody wants to be, um, but and that's really why I think making people aware how to identify where to go to do the right thing mm-hmm. um, is important. The best we can do is educate. Who were the bad actors then? Where was the money coming? Who are these bad actors, Linda? So um, it's a very deep, dark network. Okay. And if... When uh, Medicare comes out and says they're going to reduce funding, everybody who is in the nursing home says, we can't afford it, we can't afford it, we can't make the money. It's nonsense. Um, If you look at what's happened over the years, the consolidation of the nursing home industry from the mom and pops to the big organizations, they've been able to create these um, wonderful ways of moving money. they get money from different places. I can't even imagine. Um, I know the people that I've had to deal with. It's despicable when you look at their history and where they've come from. They love to um, – the Medicare dollars right now, nursing homes used to be mostly Medicaid, and then you had assisted living, and that was supposed to be the better – uh, non-medical. Then you came into uh, hospitals, didn't want to keep you in the hospital long. They pushed you into subacute or post-acute. That's where the money was. Mm. The federal government pays lump sums to take care of the patients. Mm. In the in the pharmacy and nursing home world, the pharmacy becomes the bank. The nursing home owners don't pay you for months for for that care, but they've received the money from the federal government. Ugh. But nobody wants to listen to that, and it takes a long time to get anybody who's going to do, you know, yes, could it be a whistleblower, but nobody nobody wants to spend the time or the energy. So you've had a huge influx of different operators, select groups that all know each other, they're all interconnected, and they are buying up these nurses, they're paying over price to get these nursing homes, and then flip them to be high-end subacute. And that's where they get their, that's how they get a lot of the monies. It is disgusting. Yeah. Is this all over the U.S.? Or? Yes. Yes. And how are leaders, affect, how are they entrenched in this? I think when you look at some of the history and you look at uh, how things happened or didn't happen, there's, you know, politics plays a big role and money. Yes. And it's it's follow the money. Right. Because a lot of them give to campaigns. Right. And a lot of, some of the bad actors have gotten themselves on uh, boards, on Department of Health boards, on, you know, uh, reform boards. They and they give lots of money. And so they're looked at as good guys. Mm. You know, we saw that with the Madoff situation. We're seeing it with the uh, Sam Friedman Banks. The crypto guy. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's. He was investing in nursing home stuff? Uh, no, but they they invest and look like they're good guys. Okay. So nobody turns to say, where is the money coming right. from? Right. How did you get this money? Yeah. 
Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. So what do we do? What do you think? How do we crack this? <laughs> you and me. <clears throat> I think... You know, again, I think creating um, education to the people and letting them know that they have choices and and talking to your the people that you've elected both sides of the of of the aisle. This is not a political situation. This affects everybody. Healthcare yes. shouldn't be politicized, but it is. You're right. Um, and people have to get more involved. And like these groups, like we have to work together. Um, but we have, it's the big elephant. It's one bite at a time. Mm. What can we do if you're talking to people who are trying to weigh their options on what to do with their elderly parents? You know, of course, if we had to do it all over again, we would have done something else. You know, we would have, you know, that's hard. It's so hard because it's easy for people to say, well, why didn't you take them into your place? You know, we, we wouldn't have had room. We wouldn't have had the resources, uh, Nobody expects to go into a place thinking that it's going to be harmful. Yeah. You know, they all have rules, but it's, you know, COVID, again, exposed the bad guys yes. to the to huge, you know, extremes. So it's about doing, you know, doing a little bit more due diligence, um, finding out, you know, who owns the home? Where's the money coming from? Do they have any experience? I, 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 Do they have to publish this stuff online? Yes. Okay. Yes. And now, as I mentioned in the article, Governor Murphy signed into law a uh, transparency um, that they can't, people just can't buy a nursing home. And th- there's so many shell companies when you look. In What's the- a shell company? It's a a company that's set up so nobody can find out exactly who is actually the owner. Yep. And you have no idea who's really behind it. <clears throat> so when you fill out Medicare applications, when nursing homes or pharmacies, they have to identify if anybody has had uh, a felony or or um, you know a legal problem, and they have to answer it honestly. Um, there's not enough people to enforce the rules, mm. to to mandate the accountability. That's part. That's also part of the problem. You know, you can you can make a law, but if you don't promulgate regulations and you have nobody to enforce it, the law doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. What would you say the percentages of good versus not good homes for the elderly? Um, <laughs> that's really a hard question. I think. From my own experience, and also it's been documented, many of the not-for-profit homes are seem to be better equipped. They're not, you know, they're not pandering to the stockholder or the owners. Okay, um, that's usually like the first when somebody asks me, "I need to have my mother someplace. Where would I go?" And I have, you know, a handful of places, and m- most of, they're all not-for-profits. Yeah. And, you know, when we were going through the process, we actually hired a lawyer who does this kind of work. You know, he that's what he specializes in is finding places that aren't awful. 
Right. And the question is, what does awful mean? The average person doesn't really know what should be expected. Like, what is the nursing uh, patient ratio that's supposed to be in place? Um, how many uh, aids are supposed to be available? All of those numbers are metrics that many of them follow. We, you should have 3.5 hours of RN time per patient. You know, everything has changed. Pre-COVID, average number of meds a person comes into a nursing home, we've had people on 26 medications. They're supposed to deliver that medication med pass within two hours. They don't have enough time to do that and do the care and do the documentation. Mm -hmm. So the whole system has to be revamped and yeah. looked at. So I don't know if I answered your question. No, but I know. It's such a tough – and there's so many layers to it. That's that's the other thing. It's not black and white. It's so much gray area. And that's where they get in there, you know, the, the criminal aspect of it is the gray area. And a lot of and, – and who's checking up on them? Right. You know – I had a situation where a good friend of mine uh, was asked to uh, help fix a, a home. Yeah. She was an administrator. She got them doing really well, and then they fired her because one of the reasons is she recognized they didn't have enough staff to take on the number of patients that were you know, in there, and they had a larger capacity of a, to, to fill their home. They'd make more money, mm -hmm. and they said, yeah. We we want the we want these beds filled. Ugh. So that's the kind of stuff that happens. So you have to be your own advocate. That's you have right. To, you have to get to somebody who can walk you through the process. You know, you have five star ratings. Well, what does that really mean? Right. You know, read the de, read the report. Read the deficiency. The challenge. The heartache is as you do the due diligence and you look at those reports. You see that this home prior to being purchased by this new group, used to be an excellent facility. Then they go down to a, a star, one-star rating. They've been dinged by state surveys over and over for, you know, uh, not, you know, harm, possible harm or jeopardy to the patient. But then nothing happens. Yeah. You know, they, they pay the fine and people move on. Ugh. Some of the groups actually on a state survey will ship nurses into the nursing home mm -hmm. to cover themselves. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, you know, and the other thing <laughs> is you mentioned it. we have to be advocates for our family members. You know, my sister-in-law, um, since she lost her parents, she now does things for nursing homes. She brings gifts during Christmas. She, they tell her that people don't go see their loved ones. They basically drop them off and don't ever see them again. I mean, that's a reality. Yeah, and that that happens a lot. A lot of times a person who goes into the hospital for surgery has to go into a rehab. It's going to have to stay there. You'll find that they won't even sign the papers and they leave because there's money involved. There was one individual, she, she left to California, so she wouldn't have to sign off and pay for anything. Oh, you know, so we're to blame, too. You know, like it's, we can't just all blame, blame, blame. You know, you no. have to be held accountable for your own decisions as well. Yeah. And you have to be there. You have to be there. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. You know, the blanket immunity that happened here in New York was a huge tip off as well. You know, when the when 
Cuomo was flooding nursing homes with sick patients. And then a few days later, he gave blanket immunity to the nursing homes. What does that tell you? It tells that tells you that there's been a lot of money exchanged into pockets. Yeah. And I've had uh, I've had lawyers on the program talk <clears throat> about how difficult it is to sue the nursing homes. Oh, because it's set up that way. Yes, and the documentation, and again, you need to have people who really understand what to look for. And yeah, it's I've worked with different um, law firms to review different situations and work with nurses and for patients who've been wronged or abused. And it's hard. It's very hard. Where do we? Are you an optimistic person? I mean, it just it's it d- does depress me. Um, my husband might say I'm not optimistic. <laughs> He's sitting right here. <laughs> I have to believe that we have to be able to change it. We, we can't give up. We can't. And yes, it's depressing. But again, let's take COVID as bad as it was and let's use that as leverage. It's opened a lot of doors. More people are talking. Um, we have gotten some change, but we need, you know, we need mass and we need um, movement. We, people need to vote. People need to talk to their legislators. Yeah. When we've opened, we've always had an advocacy group in <clears throat> two people working with me in our pharmacy. And we were able to get different rules put into place to help the patients. Um, we, we brought both sides of the of the the aisle to our facility to educate them as to what a pharmacy that services nursing homes do. Half of them, they have no idea. You can't assume that these people that we voted in know everything. So if you have an issue, you have to get to them. You have to educate them and you have to get your voices heard. And listen, people are living longer. This is going to be an ongoing problem. It's even going to be bigger than it is right now. It's huge. And it's it, it's going to be there's not going to be enough places for people. Everything is trying to be moved to home. But the problem is we don't have enough infrastructure, I think, at the community level to deal with that. Yes. And then you have to worry about vetting out that person who's coming in your home. Exactly. So there's a lot of challenges ahead. But optimistic, I can't not be optimistic. Yeah. So you think COVID ultimately was a good thing because it did shine a light on something that has been in the dark for a while. I think it brought it, I think, yes, it brought a light back to an industry that has, you know, what happens is there's upheaval and everybody wants to do something. They have all sorts of meetings and then it dies away. And every few years it comes back. Well, the COVID, again, really pulled those layers, you know, the onion apart. Yeah. And we have to give thanks to the people who are selfless and do good work. I mean, I've met some of these people who don't make a lot of money at all, not a lot to support themselves and their families, but for some reason they have it in them to be angels here on earth, to go in and take care of the elderly. Yeah, they take care of them as though they're their parents. Yes. Or family members. And yeah, unbelievable. Those heroes definitely have, have shined through with the COVID. Yeah. I remember my sister-in-law telling me that, you know, the PPE was a problem, too. We do not. We still don't have enough protection for people who if this happens again, we're screwed again because we still haven't, you know, replenished. No, we haven't replenished. 
it makes me crazy that they're not doing an after action review. It's like, oh, well, didn't happen. Well, we have to because if it happens again, and it will, uh, these places are not prepared and we're going to have mass casualties again. They were wearing garbage bags, garbage bags, and wearing masks for days, the same masks every single day. So that's a huge issue. We couldn't even purchase PPE because we had no history with our wholesaler to purchase it. That's how crazy it was. And we were sending, I was buying plastic raincoats to send. They, they were taking anything because they, they didn't have it. And the money's involved. Then you had people who were, you know, price gouging. So, you know, Ugh. it just was a, a continuous challenge. So what do we do? We still rattle cages as much as we can. I mean, I, I'm sorry, all of you listeners, I'm going to keep talking about this because it is really important. And one day you're going to be old and your family is going to have to figure out what to do. You know, <laughs> when I go into the, the facilities, I thank God that there are some really good facilities. Yes. Because you don't today you're standing and walking tomorrow. You have no, you have idea. no idea. And it's the ones, you know. The folks that their loved one was in a rehab because they had an injury, not because they were in a nursing home. And those people died and we weren't able to see them and see the kind of care. You know, I had a meeting with Ron Kim in Albany, who was, um, you know, a legislator on the Democratic side that had a loved one in a nursing home and went up against Andrew Cuomo's own party and knew what was happening. Um, We were talking about putting... Like baby cameras, you know, the baby, cam- the monitors. Why don't we have monitors in their rooms so we can see what's happening? There's been a, a number of cases where family members have put those type of monitors like in in stuffed animals and they've caught abuse issues. Oh, yeah. but that should be a standard. Yes, it should. We We should be able to. We want to see what's happening with our kids and our nannies. And our pets. And our pets. We have cameras on our pets, for God's sakes. You're right. Right. You're right. There is something wrong. So what do we do? Where do we go? You are writing. I'm going to make sure that everyone reads um, the piece that you put on Medium. Our seniors are still in danger and is not COVID. I'm so grateful for that. You know, bad operators, you know, the long-term care industry, how long they've been in place, uh, the laws that we're trying to enact to help. Uh, how do we protect our seniors? You know, what do we do? Is there a checklist that we can go off of? I think, again, it has to be systematic. We have to be able to identify what is important and for a person going into a nursing home and again you know take a look at take a look at what's going on in in your individual state see what's happened who's bought what um you know most of the states that used to have uh, county facilities don't have county facilities anymore because they sold them look at who's buying them yes you know make people accountable Mm-hmm. That and it takes time, and nobody seems to have time. But we we have this internet, we have this social media. We're able to do a lot of chit chat. We need to do some chit chat that actually creates some action. I'm grateful. You know, I know that Twitter is a source of a lot of anxiety in people's lives, but Twitter helped me so much in getting the message across. People are listening. People do care. 
Yes, there, there definitely people care. We just have to get to enough of them. Yeah. And I am still counting on leaders in Washington, D.C. to hold hearings. And again, it's not just Andrew Cuomo. There were several governors that did the same thing. They had exactly the same warning on those orders. And nursing homes, the good operators were saying, we can't take them. Right. Please don't make us do this. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that happened was ridiculous. Even just getting, you know, the vaccines out yes. to the nursing homes. That was another major oh, problem. Yeah. We we didn't get product because we weren't the big CVSs and Walgreens. And our facilities were told if you put your independent pharmacy as your provider that's going to do it, you're not going to get the vaccines. On a different topic, not nursing homes, but pharmacies, I want to ask you a little bit about that because I have MS and I have a, a chronic illness and I have to get medicine once every six months from a big pharmacy. And for the first time, they declined to cover me, to cover my my drug. Yeah. Wow. And I had to be on the phone for hours with different people from the specialty pharmacy because every time I would call, they would have to go through all my files and then they would have to look at who handled it before. And I was at the point where I was like crying because it was so difficult to, to get the medicine just a few days before my infusion. I still don't know why they, they said no. Um, and then I got my employer involved and that's when all of a sudden, oh, your, your drug is going to be there tomorrow for your infusion. What is happening? <laughs> I know that that's probably another podcast. That That's a whole nother mess. You know, the people that need medication, first of all, the pricing is outrageous. Yes. I'm, I'm going to start on a biological myself. I have a chronic condition and it cost over $4,000. Yep. And <clears throat> that's outrageous. I'm, I have insurance, so I'll have a copay. But what about the person who has what I have that doesn't have insurance? Correct. How are they going to get it? Yeah. They're not going to get They're it. They're not. So, um, I mean, we see it all the time. Years ago, rule of thumb, generics were the least expensive product mm -hmm. versus a branded product. And that's not that's not the case anymore. When MedD, the MedD plans came into place and took over uh, paying for the state Medicaid uh, programs. If the manufacturers made a deal with the pharmacy benefit manager, the brand was the, the one to go with, mm. not the generic. And the brand was more expensive. Yeah. There were drugs that we dispense that we lose money because they the, the insurance will not even pay the cost of the meds. Oh. And I can't balance bill and there's no other alternative. So we drop, we lose $200 every time we dispense it. Nobody would run a business that way. No. But that's the pharmacy and, and the dollars and the insurance and the people that you have to talk to to get the approval. Oh. When that all first started, there were people, they weren't even educated in the healthcare arena. Yeah. And they were making the decisions. decisions. Yeah. And the doctors are up in arms because yes. they have to explain why they want their patient on product X. 
Like, that's ridiculous. It's funny. You know, you say that, and I remember the conversations at first were like, well, we're going to see if we can put you on the generic. And I said, no, you can't put me on the generic. This is this is a brand of drug. There is no generic. I have to be on the brand name. And I'm telling this pharmacy person, I think exactly what you're saying is they, they weren't educated enough. And that's the problem. Right. And don't. probably pandemic stuff. They've hired people that... Some of them aren't even in the country. Right. Oh, my God. Gosh, <laughs> what are we going to do, Linda? we got we- lots to work on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm just glad that I met you and I feel like we can do good work together. Um, and we have to protect our elderly because we are going to be in their shoes one day. And, you know, what do we do? I mean, I guess my husband and I have to write down what we want our children to do if we you know, if something X, Y, Z happens, right? Absolutely. And and those are the all the what ifs, you know, how do I want to be cared for? Um, do I want a breathing tube? Do yes. I want to be resuscitated? Yeah. Um, well, listen, in Canada, where I'm from, they're doing a lot of assisted suicide now. I mean, again, that's another topic for another dis- and day. And a lot of people talk about that. They yes. don't want to go through the the horrible effects of like an ALS disease yes and yeah i I, know i you see it i'm not for that but i in some cases i get it but i also believe that that can't be you know accessible as accessible as it it potentially could be well the last thing we need is to have physicians making or anybody making a decision that you know yeah you need to just yes be gone right well, we're taking on the world right now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I appreciate you. I was saying, you know, social media has been a force for good because that's how I found you. And I'm And I'm, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, to be continued because I think we need to continue the discussion and and again, I am hopeful. I'm hopeful for hearings in Washington DC DC because I don't think our state uh, our state leaders are going to tackle this. So I'm hopeful that in Washington they will, and I'm hopeful that there will be subpoenas, and I'm hopeful that there will be leaders that are called upon and asked the questions that we've wanted to know for many years now. Yes, I agree. I, I'll, I'll be sitting in that, uh, in that room. <laughs> yes, I will, I, I will invite you to be there too. Great, thank you. Thank All you right. so much. Linda, thank you for being here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Linda, for your advocacy and helping expose what's happening across the country in adult care facilities. We have to keep exposing this and make people aware that they need to do their homework when finding places for elderly family members to be taken care of. And I'm hopeful that in the months to come, there will be more investigations and hearings that will help shine a spotlight on the corruption and criminal situations many of our leaders have been a part of, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.
This is Jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. 